Welcome back, everyone. It is April 27th, 2020, and this is the Man of the Myth podcast back in your ears on The Athletic. How's everybody doing out there? Well, I hope you're staying safe out there. I hope you're feeling good. Thank you so much for joining us today, as always. My name is Sean Oshadi. Producer Chris is here on the ones and twos, and of course, so is my partner in crime, the peanut butter to my jelly. He is the man in the hat, the myth in the Man of the Myth podcast. He's also my favorite writer in the game. He is Chuck Mendenhall. What's going on, pal? How was the weekend? It was good, man. It's fun to watch the draft, you know. Watch your boy Isaiah Simmons get picked up in the first round for the cards, huh? Dude, I don't know anything don't, about college football about at all. You're a Patriots fan. I am a Patriots fan, but I'm a Cardinals fan, too. Just support the local yeah. team. I don't know anything about college football at all, but all of my buddies <laughs> went insane when that pick happened, so I guess that's good. I think he's probably, well, they keep saying that he's the most NFL ready, so uh, you got a good one. I think you guys got the safest uh, pick in the in the first round, so good job. Yeah. Cardinals going to be interesting, man. Getting yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. You got Kyler oh, yeah. Murray out there, this new guy. It's, it's a lot of stuff happening over here. They'll in be Arizona. better than 5'10 and 1 or whatever they were last year. They'll be better than that. <laughs> I'm surprised if you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys out there with Drew Locke, you're killing it. A lot of speed, baby. I, I was shocked they took two receivers. I know that we're boring the hell out of our uh, <laughs> our listeners, but two receivers in the first two rounds, they needed one. But, man, I felt like the, the second one was a little bit of a, a stretch. But we'll see, man. We'll see. It was just good to get sports again, Yeah, I will say. It was. It yeah. felt normal to some degree. Obviously, the, the broadcast was weird, and it was kind of all kind of done on Zoom, but it just felt cool to get sports again. And we're going to be feeling that feeling really soon, guys, because next weekend – did you realize there's fights next weekend? How wild is this? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we've we been back and forth trying to figure out when they'd come back, right? And I think that we would have, you know, we would that would have seemed like a very um, liberal guess to say May, early May. I think a lot of us were saying June or July. So this Dude, is, I uh, said July at one point. Yeah. Like, it really I know felt... I said June, but it feels legit this time. I know the last time when it was going to be in uh, mid-April... It just never had the feeling like it was it was on solid footing, right? Like it was they were pushing forward, but there was just so much going on. This one feels like it's happening, so um, I feel like this is legit, like it's concrete. And uh, here we go, man. Yeah, we are going to dive a lot deeper into two forty nine next week. Obviously, we're going to go all out for next week for two forty nine. Uh, but we did see the preliminary sort of tentative card that they're thinking of. Maybe not even tentative; it's official now. So we yeah. uh, we have the card. It's ridiculous. And my God, man. <laughs> that is one hell of a card. That is an is. incredible card. Thoughts of just upon seeing what we're looking at for next week, guys. Well, dude, it's the best combinations of everything, right? Like you've got the Francis Ngannou Rosenstrike fight, who's been, which has been moved twice, but it has lost nothing, right? Like you want to see that fight. You want to see what comes out of it. Um, you know, you look at just Jeremy it's, Stevens against Calvin Cater, right? Like that's a crazy fight on any card. And uh, you get that one. And then, of course, Dominic Cruz coming back. Justin Gaethje against Tony Ferguson. It goes on and on, man. Um, stacked from really from from top to bottom the whole way through. Yeah, it's it it has the potential to be an all timer. The the interesting thing is that obviously there's not going to be a crowd there, so that yeah. changes it a little bit because obviously that energy in the in the building really you know makes it all that much more exciting. But in terms of just pure fight matchups, it's wild. I mean, Bryce Mitchell. I think is kicking off the card if if that's correct, and yeah. that kid's never in a, in a boring fight. That's going to be that's true fun right from right from the minute it starts. It really goes. I mean, it's twelve fights. It goes about ten deep of just like maybe nine deep of just like premier matchups <laughs> where you would find that that type of matchup on any pay per view card. There are going to be four fights that don't make the pay per view that are just genuinely great fights. <laughs> um, and Chuck, true. you're right. It's kind of the best of all worlds, right? Because we've seen all these canceled cards. And we've seen people drop out from the initial versions, iterations of 249. And at this point, it feels like the people that are on this have been on this. They're going to be on this. It feels relatively safe to think that they're going to stay on this. Like the people that have fallen out, Amanda Nunes, Rose Namajunas, they've already fallen out. They've already made their decision. It feels like this is pretty secure right now. We're not going to, I don't want to dive too deep into it and and jinx it all, but I'm feeling (laughs) good about this. Yeah, I'm knocking on wood. Uh, If it stays intact... This, I mean, it would be hard to find a card that has that kind of talent, you know, in those these types of matchups, pretty much the whole way through. So I, I, I want to see it. You know what I mean? At this point, you you just want to see it happen and uh, for it all to come off. Because I can guarantee you, uh, there are just the matchmaking on this, like just some of these fights, they just look so good. I feel like the the, you know, I just feel like they're going to be fireworks. Some of these fights, so. 
I just want it all to happen, Sean. That's all I want. Absolutely. And we'll see, because once that fight goes, once May 9th happens, it does seem like the UFC wants to reset their schedule in a hurry. We're going to be getting three fights in eight days at that point. Um, Probably some Wednesday fights, some Saturday fights every week, and maybe even some more fights in between once we really get going. So we'll adjust the programming schedule as we go. We'll sort of figure it out as we go. Uh, Obviously, we tape on Monday and Wednesdays. Sometimes it looks like we might have to push the Wednesday show to either Tuesday or Thursday. Maybe we'll add an extra show in there somewhere. We'll figure it out for you guys. In the meantime, it really has almost snuck up onto us. So today, we're going to have a fun show. We have, uh, with fight day really starting to creep, creep, creep around the corner, it is time to start looking at UFC 249's main event. So we're going to do that today, but we're going to do it in a couple different ways. The first half of the show, we're going to have a fighter focus on Justin Gaethje. And so we've done these a couple times already. We haven't really named them, um, but it's just sort of where we look in deep at a couple different fights of this person's career, just sort of what we takeaways from it and how they've grown, how they've learned from it, and just sort of look at the evolution of this fighter. That's the first half of the show. Second half of the show, we're going to do a resume retrospective on Tony Ferguson. We're going to also involve Khabib Nurmagomedov in there. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun stuff. And so in the meantime, let's get going, guys. We have each picked one Justin Gaethje fight <laughs> that we think told a story in some way, that told us something about who he is, who he was, and who we're going to get next Saturday. And so before we yeah. start any of this, what was what was this exercise like <laughs> for you guys? What's it like to watch a marathon of Justin Gaethje fights? Because I had a couple takeaways from this. Well, <laughs> it's almost it's almost like so gratuitous that like if you watch them back to back, you feel a little bit like exhausted, man. Because I, that's Dude, what I did. yes, yes. That's exactly. what I was going to say gru- it's grueling. Like I yes. watched my fight that I picked. I watched your guys' fight that you picked. And then once yeah. you're in, you're, you start watching other fights that he had. And by the end, you're like, you are. You're exhausted. It is a gruel, it's grueling to watch as well. You're exhausted and you almost feel yeah. kind of dirty. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because it's just, it's crazy, man. And, and each commentator basically says, they can't keep this pace, you know? <laughs> they make some mention of the pace because it's such a manic pace. But um, you watch them all back to back like that. It just feels weird, man. It, you don't see people fighting like that consistently. Yeah, there's no, there, that's the thing. There's no, there is no pullback on Justin Gaethje. If he gets even tired, you could see he gets tired at certain points in the fight, but it doesn't matter. He just keeps coming forward and you just, what he's throwing the same power shots over and over again. Yeah, Dude, It's just unbelievable. There are so many commonalities between the three fights that we ended up picking, which were, let's be clear, like several, several years apart. Like this, we picked a long timeline here and there are still so many commonalities between these fights. As like you said, Chuck, the announcers, it seems like every single time it's a different announcer who is just overwhelmed with the craziest thing that he has ever seen in front of his eyes playing out and just the the opposing opponents, all of it. It's so interesting to watch. And so let's dive into this first one. I had the first fight and I picked Justin Gaethje versus Luis Palomino one. Oh yeah. And so... Why was this the fight I picked? Let's let's set the stage a little bit for this. This is early 2015. Justin Gaethje is 26 years old. He's 13 and 0. He's undefeated. 7 or I'm sorry, 6 and 0 in World Series of Fighting, and all of them except for one were knockouts. He is becoming somewhat of a cult figure at this point, and yet we are still in sort of the stage that we are figuring out who Justin Gaethje is. He's almost like MMA's best kept, kept secret at this point in time. Um, like if you were in on this guy. This early, you felt like you were in on the ground floor of something um, of what you kind of weren't sure, but it was definitely something. And I remember actually seeing a rage in the cage fight of Justin's really way early in his career. And it was the same exact type of thing where you don't you're just kind of sitting there minding your business. And then this guy comes out and just demolishes somebody very quickly in a way that you really haven't seen before. Oh, man, I I think it it was. it might it might have been the fifth fight. I just remember Justin won in like a minute and a half or like okay. less. It was like really fast and it was really destructive. And I didn't even know who Justin Gaethje was at that point. I just left being like whoever that guy was. <laughs> Keep an eye on that guy. Yeah. And so it was so interesting being in on this guy early and sort of seeing the early progression. And meanwhile, on the other side of this, Luis Palomino is thirty four years old at the time of this fight, and he is essentially just a career. Journeyman, really. Like nobody I hadn't heard of Palomino at this point. I think a lot of people hadn't. Um, he was had almost double digit losses. And this is really the first time that we see Justin's brawling style start to get him in a little bit of trouble. If yep. you if you look around at the comments on articles at this time, there was immense doubt that Justin's style and skill set would be able to translate to the UFC level in this fight 
really was kindling to that flame. The narrative escalated dramatically after this fight, but there is also still something surreal about it. The idea that, like, I can't believe that this is what this guy is doing, but it's definitely what he's doing, and it's working better than it has any right to work. Um, thoughts watching this this fight last night, guys? Oh, man. I mean, I remember watching it in real time. That that whole step, that series, right? They fought twice, and uh, going back and just seeing those leg kicks and the way that they're landing Dude, <laughs> from, yes. from Gaethje, it just makes you wince, man, because you know it's coming, but nobody can do anything at it, and they're thrown with such abandon that... Uh, you you feel it like it's one of those things you're watching you hear it you can feel it it's crazy and then you see him trying some uh just some you know madness in the cage like where he's like he's you see the right at the end of the round where he does like rolling thunders always (laughs) yes i love it he tries to do that and it's and and even the never works like did he slip (laughs) what what happened they couldn't even tell what was going on just stuff like that man um real quickly you know before that uh you know before that series with with uh palomino when way back in the day, I visited him in Denver, and this is my first chance. I to remember really... that you had the first big yeah. piece anybody yeah, in yeah. the media had about Justin Gaethje. I don't yeah, even know. Yeah, I he visited was him at the gym. At I think it was around Christmas time of 2013. It was right before he was fighting Richard uh, Petitionock. Yeah, whatever yeah. that guy's name is. I was at that fight. Yeah, yeah, he was. It was. Uh, yeah, the one in Florida, right? That's the one I'm thinking of. Um, but anyway, he was fighting and he was getting ready for the title. He was doing a sparring, you know, how the guys will do like five minute rounds with uh, sparring partners and they'll just trade him out. He gets exhausted, but fresh legs come in and go against him. And he landed something on one of his trading partners that busted his head open. <laughs> and I was like, and you know, and he, and it was like, he couldn't control his energy in there. He couldn't control it. It was like, he couldn't, I was like, he must be the worst sparring partner of all time because he can't control what he's doing. And uh, I remember joking with Trevor Whitman at the time, like, dude, I mean, what do you, how do you reel him in? He's like, you don't, you know, you don't reel him <laughs> in. But I, but it was funny because this was an early glance. This is right when, you know, he's only had a couple of fights in the World Series of Fighting. And I remember saying to him then, you know, like, dude, your style is set up to lose. At some point, somebody's going to clip you. And he's like, well, you know, I know it's going to happen, but nobody's done it yet. And, uh, and that's the thing, too. Yeah. The way he spoke about his career at this point in time was very prophetic, prophetic. Like he knew this was coming and yeah. he was like hyper self-aware of the idea that like eventually this is coming and I'm gonna have to figure yeah. it out when it happens. But until then, like F these guys. Yeah, he'd, he'd pre-accepted it. <laughs> and I guess that went into his like his whole style. Like he was just like, I'm gonna fight my style. If somebody shuts it down, fine. But no, it, th- thus far, nobody has. And, you know, you look at that fight all the way back then when he won the title, and then I think he fought like six or seven more times, or maybe like five or six more times in WC World Series of Fighting. Um, and he, you know, he defended the title. Nobody was able to beat him there. It took all the way to the UFC for him to actually, uh, you know, get beat. So, dude, fighting like that and carrying an undefeated record almost through 20 fights is almost impossible. But that then I think that that speaks to just the kind of berserker that you know this guy is so he's he's definitely one of a kind yeah a couple of points on that by the way it's you know it's funny chuck because you say even in those early sparring sessions trevor whitman saying you can't you can't control him he's just going to kind of do what he wants (laughs) even just being at events where he's not fighting like i've seen him in the crowd and stuff like that and he has that energy anyway like he's the type of guy where like he'll just like jump over a chair to like go past somebody (laughs) instead of walking back like he's just always in motion he's just this uh you know, kinetic guy. It's it's yes. kind of interesting to watch. One time, way back, I was in Florida. Another little story, but I was in Florida, and he came in with all, where I was in a room with uh, you know Greg Savage, the guy uh, yeah, yeah from Sure Dog, and now I think he's with uh, PFL. But I was I was hanging out with him, and Sean Shelby was stopped by. But here comes uh, Justin Gaethje with Ali Abdelaziz, and they come in there, and it was kind of late night. I don't know if he had drinks. I don't know what was going on, but it was almost like a toddler. The way he kind of <laughs> it's, cut into conversations, like he was just, and like he couldn't, it's just, a, he's a different guy, you know, he, like he's got a different kind of energy and even it shows up even in his conversation. Um, so I think that's just, it's, it's, it's not just a style that he's bringing into the cage. I think that's how he has to fight. I think that's innate natural to him. No, Chuck, absolutely. He's a manic ball of energy and you, you see it even, especially especially this early in his career and you see it play out in this Palomino fight because this is essentially like, I was in the building for this fight, and this fight, rewatching it now, is essentially, and I think a lot of Justin Gaethje fights turned into this at this point in his career, but this was essentially Don Fry versus Yoshihiro Takayama, but with clinch fighting. Mm. Like, yeah. it's just endless barrages of heavy punches and knees and uppercuts and leg kicks from either inside the pocket <laughs> or just 
actual clinch position. And Justin Gaethje's press pressure from the outset is just surreal. There's not a moment in this fight where he is giving Luis Palomino any second to breathe. Um, and he is constantly forcing him to walk backwards and trapping him against the fence, after which he just really goes to work because he knows you can't escape once you're there. And it's just this reoccurring thing watching these fights. And <laughs> as is this, Justin Gaethje does this weird thing where he looks, or at least he did at this point in his career, did this thing where he looks like he's fading, but then suddenly he gets this weird second and yeah. third burst of energy and just comes back to life like a demon. It's almost Yoel Romero-esque. Like he, yeah. his ability to tap into these reserves was so scary. And you never really knew when it was coming, just that it was definitely coming at some point. And it's funny watching this one back because I think sometimes in a fight you can almost like see two guys come to sort of like an unspoken understanding. It's the Max Holloway, Ricardo Lamas thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, over, that happened over here? Like, yeah. Over yeah, the course that happened of, a, here. of a big fight, yeah. But it happened way early. And you could almost see both of them agree in the first like minute like, oh, okay, like this is what we're doing, right? <laughs> like we're one of us is going to yeah. die tonight, like 100%. that type of thing. That's all of his fights though. That's the thing. Yeah. Like when you watch all of them, he makes everybody go like, all right, I guess this is what we're doing. Yeah, he you drags know, like, the brawler out of everybody. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's just unreal. Late kicks, and you're right, Chuck, you had mentioned at the very beginning, late kicks are ultimately what won him this fight. They're what won him this series in general. Both of the Palomino fights, he just kicks the legs out from under him. And at a certain point, Luis can't do it anymore. He won a lot of his World Series of fights like that. It was really the underrated key to his skill set. Um, the knockout here is really a beautiful one. Yeah. A, a flying knee that just really... And then a leg Dude. kick, and it's just... It's, it's, it's bad. It's, First of um, all, you were at this fight? I was at both of these, yeah. Okay. You know, watching this back, you forget how egregious the refereeing was at the end of this fight. So Holy, man. dude, Horrible. okay. Horrible. I am so, so glad that you brought this up. I had this written nuts. down on my notes, but I didn't want to go into it because it felt like no one cares and like this is yeah. a weird Arizona thing. The referee for this fight is a guy who has been the bane of my existence for my entire life. His name is Al Guinea. He is one of the most used Arizona referees. He doesn't referee yeah. outside Arizona. Arizona. He is terrible oh, <laughs> he is the worst referee he is mazagati out there with how terrible <laughs> he is kim winslow like standing by i was like what are and, you waiting for dude he referees every arizona event ever small wow. or big rage in the cage all the way up to any time the ufc or bellator comes he is in the shows in big spots and it drives me insane every time i see it when because you know you go to the fights you get like a, a thing of just like he's gonna referee this fight herb dean's yeah. gonna referee this fight every time i go to an arizona fight and i see that i i lose my mind and just try to find someone to to <laughs> vent to because this guy just uh, has followed my life for 10 years dude how would just you being like to terrible how would you like to be Luis Palomino in this situation? You go in there, and not only are you going against this buzzsaw who's lighting you up, and at some point you're like, all right, I'm giving up the ghost, man. I'm done. You go down. And homie, rather than jumping on you and saying it's over and throwing the copter hands, he's like, get up. Get up. <laughs> Stand on your broken leg. He's like, you yeah. need to take more from this dude. That's what he, that's what he did. Dude. And then he did it again. There that was, was a point in round one where Luis Palomino like, cracks Justin. And, and knocks his mouthpiece out with a right hand. And in the midst of that, Al Guinea separates them and, and makes Justin put in the mouthpiece. And like it's a whole like 10-second thing, and he was able to recover. And it's like, dude, it was rocked. Yes. What are you I doing? Um, I like how Justin was like giving an ovation to, to uh, the fans or whatever. Whoever gave him back his mouthpiece or whatever was going on he's, there. He's such a wild man. Yeah. Um, now, okay, I just had to get that tangent out of the way. Yeah. No, it's, but just, it's it's worthy tangent, man. That guy, that guy was that was bad. Yeah, you're Dude. right about it. But it also it does seem to happen though because it happens later in his career against Cowboy. Like it, it's something about the way he fights, the way the fight goes, where I think the ref is sort of just spellbound by the amount of yeah. violence that is happening. Like you, it's almost impossible oh, yeah. to tell when yeah, someone's the, the done. Threshold is different, right? Yeah. Like you're gonna I you're gonna let is, the, you're gonna let it be yeah. more barbaric. You're there is something to being a foot away from a car crash just happening in front of yes. you. Like, that's got to be a very bizarre thing to be in charge of, you know? Yeah, um, man. Yeah. But just, just to close the conversation on this fight, here were a few of my sort of takeaways from revisiting this. Um, one, and I've, I've mentioned this on a bunch of different shows, I think this one included, um, but just the environment that night, 
really was stunning. Like I've been to big fights, I've been to crazy fights, I've been to loud fights, but that experience was unlike any that I had had up to that point in my life. There were maybe 2,000 people in there, in there and I mean, maybe not even, maybe that's yeah. an exaggeration. There were way less. There were probably like 800 people in there and it sounded like 800,000. Um, <laughs> it was just an unreal scenario. And nobody's and, sitting down, I noticed. Everybody's like standing through this fight. Well, yeah, it's like, how are you going to sit down? Like, even us on media, on press row, I'm pretty sure we we're standing at a certain That's point. That's hilarious, man. Because um, we were like on kind of like a stage. So we were like yeah. above the whole thing. And it was just a weird setup. But it was really interesting <laughs> to watch. Um, but also, this was kind of my big takeaway from this whole series. Because I watched, I ended up watching both these Palomino fights. Justin Gaethje, at this point in his career, was really a guy who made other guys consider their mortality in the middle of a cage fight in a way that was really unique. Um, like he, he made you actively question yourself and genuinely wonder what you were doing with your life. Yeah. And you could see it like just play out in real time in the middle of a fight. Like you could see the moment that Luis Palomino breaks in the third round, the moment that he kind of like realizes that this isn't happening the way that it was supposed to, and it's only going to get worse. And he just starts to question everything about himself. It's wild to watch in real time because Justin is breaking the toughest possible men in the world in front of your (laughs) eyes. And I left that yeah, night, I left that night convinced of two things. One, uh, this guy is the best kept secret in MMA, and it's unbelievable that more people aren't in on this already. And then the second one was just that Justin Gaethje is going to have a very short career. Like, he, if yeah. he doesn't make any changes, there's no way this is sustainable. I thought for sure, too. Same thing. Same thing. Because, you know, once you get caught, like, so for instance, you see a lot of guys who want to go in there and brawl, but there's always a humbling moment. It usually comes sooner rather than later because you're kind of rouletting it in there a little bit. You know, you're just playing roulette with the other guy, standing in a wheelhouse, chin-checking, all of that stuff. He does that, but obviously, like, he's got it in him to just keep going, and I feel like that's what you're talking about. He's kind of like a human hazing ritual. Like, you you get your, your uh, merit so badge. Well put, that's yeah, perfect. like, you, you get your merit if you go stand in there with him and you can survive um, the fight, you know, or or get through a, a round. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that. Yeah. Like he's uh he's he's like that man. So I thought for sure um that he you know that he would be humbled at some point. And realistically, man, I mean he's he's made this work for him. He's made this yeah. work. And obviously, I know that I I know Chris's fight is what you're doing, Michael Johnson, right? Yeah, we got the UFC okay. debut against Michael Johnson. Because I felt like that was like the that that was the big first threshold crossing when he was going to the UFC, and that was an immense an immense sort of feeling to it, just because he was doing that. Well, there you go, Chuck. You just set the stage for us. This next fight, uh, Chris's pick, Michael Johnson. Justin Gaethje, Michael Johnson. The stage for this. Justin Gaethje is 28 years old now. This is two years later. He's won a couple more fights. Michael Johnson is 31, and this is right after the Habib Nurmagomedov loss for him. So he's lost three of four, but he's still the number five-ranked guy in this lightweight division. So he's still a very respectable guy. And you're right. For Justin, this was a big, big deal. This was a big signing. It was his first big time on a a global stage, and he was loving it. If you remember (laughs) him giggling like a schoolgirl in his first big press conference, it was one of those big, like, um, the quarterly type of press conferences where they have everybody up there. And if you remember the confrontation between Michael Chiesa and Kevin Lee about Michael Chiesa's mom, Justin Gaethje is visible in the back, just grinning like a kid going to Disneyland for the first time. He is having the time of his life, and this whole setup to this fight was great, too, because him and Michael Johnson were legitimately heated. Like, they did not like each other by the time fight night came. <laughs> there were all these videos of them talking trash to each other in the hallways of the hotel, nearly coming to blows, just kind of like walking around. And in the moment, uh, I was convinced that this was the most exciting fight I had ever seen live. And I, I realized in retrospect that, that that's me being in the moment, but it was also just some level of vindication because I had been talking to this guy uh, or I was talking about this guy to anyone I could for years about how exciting he was and how much they need to watch him. And then for to see him come into the UFC and slap up just a five-star oh, match yeah. like that in his first fight against the number five guy <laughs> in the world was the ultimate I told you so moment. Um, but Chris, for you, why, why was this the fight that you chose for us today? Uh, well, to, to me, it just made it made sense to pick this one because I agree. Having watched it live, it felt like this is one of the most exciting fights you're ever going to see. And it holds up. I mean, it's not like it, it isn't an exciting fight. It absolutely yeah, it does. Is. It's not as good as it, I thought it was b- back in the day, but it definitely holds up. 
Yeah, for sure. And and it, it also the the thing that I really like about it is it is it is a lot of people's first taste of Justin Gaethje. He's coming in, he's 17 and 0. If you follow, you know, him through a World Series of Fighting and everything like we talked about with the Palomino fights and and other fights that he's had there, they're all exciting. They all look the same and you know that when Michael Johnson is going back and game planning against this guy, he's watching that too. So, when you're talking about them talking shit a little bit leading into yeah. the fight and they're almost coming to blows, Michael Johnson's already in that mindset of he knows what's coming, you know, and in his mind, he's thinking this guy's coming to the UFC. He thinks he's the he's just going to walk all over me and I'm not going to let that happen. So that kind of setup going into it is so great. Plus, the other thing that's interesting about that card is not a great card. That's the main event of this. And that's this was during International Fight Week. So this is not the big uh, event that weekend. And so I think by the time it gets to that fight everybody's just waiting for something to explode. And you, and if you know anything about Justin Gaethje and Michael Johnson, that's what it was going to be. You know what I loved about it, man? Like, I remember this specifically. Do you remember Michael Johnson before the fight was basically like, he wants to drag me into a war. He wants to do these things. I've seen him fight. He's not going to do it. I'm not falling for it. I'm going to I'm going to fight methodically. You know, he's he's I'm going to do my game plan and all this stuff. And then what happens as soon as they get in there, man? They're just swinging at each other. It's ridiculous. Like... Um, they're trying to headhunt the whole time, uh, and Michael Johnson is gleefully in there doing that, and 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 almost puts him away a couple of times. But the fact that he was like, "I'm not going to do it, man. He's not going to rope me into one of those type of fights," and then immediately goes into that kind of fight. I thought that was hilarious. Absolutely, man. and they pointed out actually during the broadcast, so like, this is not his game plan. He said he wasn't going to do this, but here he is. <laughs> and th- you know, you you you, I forget who made the point, but. Right. Gaethje is willing to go in there and be like, hit me with your best shot. And if you knock me out, you, you knock me out. He, every UFC fighter or every MMA fighter you think goes in there with the idea of like, I can take a shot. Like I'm yeah. that guy. And that's why it's so fascinating when people fight him because he does drag everyone into that fight because they probably think they can take it. And then in the end they can't, you know, it's just, they, yeah. he, he ends up breaking them. And I know the fight that you're going to pick, I won't give it away. But that's the that's yes. the one where you know we see that somebody actually can take it, and that says a lot about his opponent. Yeah. But anyway, but this I'm, this 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 fight I wanted to pick because it's a step up in competition. Yeah, obviously, yes. Michael Johnson had lost a few fights out of his last four, but he still actually caught Habib in the first round of their fight. Like people, True. you know, said he looked pretty good in the first round. Um, and he's a guy that's been known to beat himself. It's not like he's someone who just goes yeah, in. I always and gets felt destroyed. like he was not living up to his potential. You know what I mean? Right. You always felt like there was a great fighter in there, but he wouldn't always show up. No, hundred percent. I mean, you said you saw it even against uh, recently when he fought Josh Emmett. He was winning that fight the entire time, and then yeah. he gets finished with whatever twenty seconds left. So th- that that was like the stakes going into this, and that and that's why it was the one that I wanted to pick. I'm, I I'm with Sean on this in the sense that. I didn't think there was it was possible for for Justin Gaethje to have showcased exactly who he is um, <laughs> in a UFC fight because it was like we knew if you're watching him you just know that he's this kind of berserker in there he's going to throw everything at you and he's going to take your best punch um, and he's going to catch his wind right in the wheelhouse you know what I mean like he's going to stand there and take a couple punches while he takes a couple deep breaths that's what that's what's so different about him he'll take the punishment during the moment he's trying to recoup it's like. It's it's yes. bizarre how he does that, man. It's like, um, but he was doing he was doing all of that. He gets hit with a couple of big shots that stagger him, and you think it's over. And then there's moments where he just looks dead on his feet, like he has no yeah. more energy. Yeah, and yet he perseveres. He keeps springing forward. <laughs> you know, somehow he keeps finding it in him, and uh, and he gets it done in the end. But man. It's just he, he, the fact that he was almost out of that fight a couple of times, and then he just started coming forward. Anyway, like the Chris 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 Lieben, um, you know, getting hit and then coming forward on the on the toddler legs type thing. That he was doing that, um, and but yeah, he would have these bursts of energy to finish the fight. It's just uh, I thought it communicated everything you needed wins, to know man. about him. It's the second and third wins. I just don't understand how a human being is able to have those wins like he does, where he just really charges up the energy and then unleashes it. You you were saying that, Sean, and that's right. Like You can see that there's certain points in it where it seems like he doesn't even want to be doing it, but he's like, there's no other way to do it. You know, he- I think that's it, yeah. <laughs> he, doesn't know a, he doesn't know a different way. That's the whole thing. He just only knows how to do what he does. Yeah. Just, I rem- I've spoken to Justin in the years since about this fight, and, and he's told me that he was so nervous for this one uh, that he was really like almost going out of his mind because it was, there was so much buildup to it and there was so much, all right, this is the ultimate moment where this we figure out who yeah. this guy is. But you couldn't tell 
rewatching it last night because he looks so confident and his his ability speaking on that to just put on that game face and keep that game face throughout a fight is just immaculate every time yeah. and it, i would imagine if you're fighting someone like that it is so demoralizing to see just whatever like demon zombie type of figure this guy <laughs> must turn into 10 minutes into this where you're just like have your whole entrails hanging out of your ass and like this guy's still just coming at you man like that's got to be a weird almost like surreal scary sight yeah. if you're on the other side of this um I'm so glad you guys mentioned the the beginning of this fight because rewatching this last night it was funny because Michael Johnson cracks got Justin Gaethje in the first ten minutes of this or ten seconds of this fight clean yeah. like clean. I mean, he really hits him and that might have been the worst thing for him in the entire fight because immediately he gets this type of confidence of like that's a good point yeah like see I told you mfers that this dude doesn't belong and he instantly drops any semblance of a game plan and gets lulled <laughs> into the brawl that he did not want to end up in. Because for those first 10 seconds, it really felt like his strategy was to, you know, like kind of stick and move, yeah. do the, fight smart. And then he ends up fighting the way he fights. Everyone says they're not going to entertain a war. And then they can't help it. They end up doing it because he sucks you in. He really does suck you I in. I think that you nailed it. I think what happens, honestly, watching, kind of going back and watching some of these fights is they see they can score. They land a big shot. They know they can score. So it's and almost it hurts like, him. It visibly yeah. hurts him. So they, it's almost like, okay, he doesn't want to play defense. I'm going to knock his head off, you know? And I think that they just, their eyes get a little wide. It's like the it's like the old Denver Nuggets 1980s teams, right? Like the teams wanted to play defense, when they, but they ended up just outscoring them in the end. They're like, all right, you want to run and you want, you want a gun? We'll just outscore you and beat you that way. But I feel like that's kind of like what was going on in in this fight specifically is Johnson lands that shot and you can just see him like, dude, he's easy to hit. This is, you know what I mean? I'm going to I'm going to blast him and I'm going to put this fight away, but all these people find out exactly the same thing, which is just how hard that is to do. Right. A That's lot of fighters thing. who are easy to hit, it's because they're not skilled enough to not get hit. But that's not what's going on with this guy. Right. He's just willing to take a shot to give a shot. And he ultimately figures like chopping down a tree. He's like, I'll just land more blows on you. That's it. And I'll yeah, beat you eventually, exactly. which yeah. he does. And that that was the thing. Two things stuck, jumped out to me rewatching this fight. One was Michael Johnson made two all-time bad decisions in this fight where each time he badly, badly hurt Justin, he either tried to take him down immediately afterwards or he just clinched up immediately afterwards and just totally gave Justin yeah. time to recover, which made no sense yeah, in the moment and makes even less sense after the fact. He had this fight two different times. Yeah. Um, but then the other... Ver- factor of this justin gaethje kind of goes back to what i was saying but his poker face is just so much better than everybody else's poker face and he really does get you to this point just like the palomino fight and where you can see it in the cage you can see it happen in real time where there's something that just clicks the switch flips and the momentum is completely different one second michael johnson is owning this fight the next second he is totally totally broken he can't stand up he can't he can't mount any effective offense at all. He is just a a lamb being led to slaughter. And you watch it happen again. You watch him break again it's in stubborn. real time. It's just so bizarre, man. Justin Gaethje is just a stubborn son of a bitch, man. Let's face it. Yeah. Even after he wins that fight, I mean, he's dead. Like he's he's crouched over, you know, with his Dude, hands. He on messes his knees. up his backflip. He tries to do it three. Twice. It takes him three times to get up the fence, but he won't stop trying. And finally, he gets it and he sticks it perfectly. That's You're what like, I was going to say, man. That says everything about that guy. The fact that he can't get up twice, yes. and then the third time gets up and lands it. It's so so ridiculous, ridiculous man. That's him. Yeah. Um, the strike count. Um, in this fight, look at this strike count after two rounds, less than two rounds. Significant strikes. This isn't even, all of this is significant strikes. There were no non-significant strikes. Justin <laughs> Gaethje is 104 for 174 and Johnson is 91 to 200. They both almost threw 200 strikes in like eight That's minutes. Insane. That's crazy, man. <laughs> Dude. That is crazy. Um, it was a, it was a great fight though. I mean, like for for an introduction and like for the UFC to kind of unveil its new violent toy. You know what I mean? I, I felt like it was the perfect first fight for Justin Gaethje. Right. Well, oh, it's also absolutely. interesting too because he's the other World Series of Fighting guy to have come over. Marlon Marais had already debuted at this point. True. Right? Yeah. So and right. Mar- Marlon Marlon Marais debuted with that really weird yeah. John Dotson fight. That's, yeah. that's, that's like a, not a, show a decision, people right? 
who he was. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. After this, Gaethje's like, Octagon jitters my butt or whatever. You know, like he just <laughs> yeah. is like, not, <laughs> not me, baby. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny, man. People hear for years that this is this guy who's putting on outrageous fights and doing w- in WSOF. He's doing all these outrageous things. There's no way it's going to translate. There's no way he's going to be able to do it over <laughs> here. And then he comes in and puts on a fight of the year instantly. Um, yeah. My last takeaway from this fight was sort of unrelated, but God, I miss Brian Stan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's he right. Always he was on the call with the Todd joint. Grisham that night. I'm not a big I'm not a big Todd Grisham guy. Yeah. Todd yeah. Grisham's one and only UFC card because he could not <laughs> pronounce Sakuraba. Oh my um, god. But good yeah, old Brian, Todd. Good old Todd. Brian Stan really classes up the joint. He does. Um, I wish we had him back. Moving you on. You gotta now. class up the joint if you're on there with Todd, right? Like you got <laughs> you gotta bring class to balance that out. Nah, I'm kidding, Todd. Don't worry. Uh, uh last fight. <laughs> And this one was Chuck's pick, and I'm really yes. glad that you picked this fight, Chuck. Um, yeah. Let's let's set the stage for a second. This is Justin Gaethje versus Eddie Alvarez. This is the same year, so Justin Gaethje is still undefeated. He's 29, 18 five, and 0. Five months later. Yep. Yeah, right after the Johnson fight, and this Eddie Alvarez. This was his first fight after maybe not. This is his second fight after Connor. First fight after the weird Dustin Poirier no contest. So he still hasn't won a fight since the whole title reign. Um, this was a tough season, and they were competing for the title of the most violent man, which Eddie created on the MMA Hour, which was an all-time great promo That's when right, he cut yeah. that promo. Um, a precursor we, to the old BMF title. Exactly. <laughs> and True. it's funny because we were talking before the show, and I think a couple of us said the same thing, just kind of organically. I had actually underrated this fight myself because this fight happened the same year as the Michael Johnson fight. And at the time, I was really convinced that the Michael Johnson fight was very superior. Like, just looking back, I remember being adamant that the Michael Johnson fight was by far the better fight. After rewatching it, I totally disagree. Yeah, I agree. I totally, totally disagree. And we can get into that. um, But it's just, it's such a great fight in retrospect. And also, this year, 2015, was the same year as Robbie Rory, too. So, what a year to have all three of those fights in the same year. Um, Chuck. Why was this the fight that you chose for us today? You know, incidentally, too, just uh, off the top, man, this was UFC 218, which I think was, what, in December of that year, I believe? Uh, and remember, this is the same night where they had Ngannou, like Ngannou starched Overeem and Holloway beat Aldo. There was some there was some crazy fights, but this particular fight, and maybe this is why it was a little, like it seemed more low-key. I don't know how to explain it, but there were so many other big events happening on that one card. That maybe it got, uh, you know, downplayed a little bit. But honestly, man, going back and watching the Eddie Alvarez fight, obviously Justin did not win it. But I thought it kind of, again, communicated exactly who he is as a fighter. Because if you recall, like we just mentioned, going into the Johnson fight, it was almost like, okay, you guys have to see this. You want to see this. This guy is like, he's a tornado in there. You want to see this guy. He's he's a berserker. He's going to go in there. It's going to be a brawl, guaranteed. This one, it was like, he had expectations to live up to. It was like the expectations were like, okay, now he's got to do it again because everybody, that's all they know about him at this point. You know what I mean? Dangerous, unsustainable expectations at this point. Yes, and it was, so those kinds of impossible expectations are what he's trying to uphold. But of course, like we mentioned- And he is, hold on, sorry to cut you off, but he is trying to uphold them. He was very, very aware of those yes, of expectations, course. and he will talk about it now, about how much he was trying to live up to sort of the the reputation and the moniker that he had built for himself. Dude was born in the copper mines of Marincy, Arizona, Sean. He's built for this type of thing. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so he, But he had so much expectation, and the great thing was, Eddie Alvarez was not doing what Michael Johnson said. He, he, he wanted to go in there and basically, you know, bring the buzzsaw to the buzzsaw. He wanted to go straight at him. And basically put on the exact same fight. He wanted to meet him on his own terms. So you knew that Justin Gaethje was going to, like, these guys were going to put each other through hell, right? And they did it. And I mean, if you watch this fight, if you go back and watch this fight, the shots that Justin Gaethje absorbs, and I mean, like, they are the the ones to the body in the second round. I mean, how did he survive it, man? I mean, this is full force, full throttle, like punches right into his liver, right into his ribs, right into the side, and just you can hear the 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 thud every single time. And Gaethje's hurt, but he just keeps coming forward, man. And uh, you know, he he at the end of this fight, obviously, like he takes this. If if you go back and watch it, he takes a violent lean. He finally he he crumbles. It's almost. 
it's the it's, end of the, the last 45 seconds of this fight are sublime to watch yeah it's it's just a crazy back and forth all violent the whole time I, I forget was it the third yeah third round they almost went three full rounds at this pace and finally he falls man and i'm like it felt like that's what it takes to beat Justin Gaethje is you <laughs> you have to go through hell. Did you see Eddie Alvarez's face Dude, afterwards? He was a like, mess. He, was a he had mess. like a you know the the hematoma on a uh, uh, and Jacha. He had like the same type of thing, maybe not not quite that big, but coming off the side of his mouth, it was like. <laughs> yeah, you've ridiculous. never seen something like that, right? His cheek is just all puffed out. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? That is the type of thing that it takes to beat Justin Gaethje. But he wasn't even out. Like, he's out. Obviously, they, they did the right thing stopping the fight. But he was getting, yeah, but he was getting, he was getting right back. That's true. Up. You know, like, I know he's he not fell. there, but it's like yeah. autopilot, but he was getting up, you know? He was. It was just the way he fell. Because it was like, yeah. dude, yeah. It, it was almost, you know, like, it was almost tragic if you fall on his career. Because it was like, he just won't fall. He won't fall. There. Like he took those shots against uh, Johnson. He gets staggered. He's 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 obviously lost his bearings for a second, but then he recovers. This one was like he just collapsed on himself, man. It was like you knew it was done, and I was glad that they did stop it because he would have kept going, man. He would have. Well, Eddie never made the mistake that Michael Johnson did. He never let Justin get a second to recover after he got hurt. He always continued to put it on. And two things that stood out to me as I was watching this fight. One, the last five seconds of round two was my god there i don't know how to explain this sequence but justin like shoots for a double leg in the final seconds he can't get it eddie kind of like pushes him backwards and justin does like a back handspring and then gets kicked right in the face that's right as he's like popping back up and then he answers that with a flying knee like, it's just the weirdest four seconds, <laughs> the, the and kick, I love it. The kick that Alvarez throws there, it's totally legal, but you never see something like that. Dude, I've never you're watching, seen like, something That's like got to that. be illegal. Like, what he just did, it didn't feel right. Dude, Eddie Alvarez, man, stood up like a man. Like, I had, like, I already had t- tons of respect for him, but obviously he lost some shine because of the McGregor thing. I felt like this was the, the moment where people were like, dude, forget yeah. all about that. This put him yeah. back on the map in a big way because... He was willing to die in there that night, man. Like he was gonna, Dude. he was gonna. And he have, said he, it before he had to too. be. Yeah, watching this fight made me regret not picking him as a legend in our lightweight. Dude, a hundred percent. It's so funny that you said that. I at the end of the fight, I was like, "How did Good Eddie point, Alvarez man. not get picked?" It's so Good silly. Point. It's one of the biggest oversights of my career. <laughs> Frankly, he uh, uh wa- watching that fight, the thought popped into my head of, "Oh, this is the same guy fighting himself." You know, like that's what it felt exactly like to me. Right. Yeah, exactly. like a more fine-tuned version of it, Yeah, um, which actually gets to where we're getting to because this was the other takeaway of mine. This was really the point where we are starting to see very clear holes in Justin Gaethje's game and holes that are very exploitable. We end up seeing Dustin Poirier do the same thing. Yeah. Eddie is destroying Justin's body with those punches. As you said, Chuck, he is just massacring Justin's body. Um, he's also moving well in that jab. He is Everything is behind the jab, and he is eating up. Justin Gagey's face with that jab. And it all leads to this last sequence in this fight. Um, this last 45 seconds, as I said, one of the, it is so cool to watch in retrospect when you know what's coming because there's a moment where you can just see Eddie, and this goes back to the switch flipping. All these guys, the switch flipped on them and they were just broken. They were defeated. The switch flips on Eddie and he, and there's like maybe a minute left in this fight and he decides to himself, I don't really care. I'm going to get yeah. knocked out. Or he's going to get knocked out. This is going to end one way or the other, and we're just going to see. And he just, at the that last minute of that first round, or third round, he just starts walking forward. He's not even throwing punches. He's just in perpetual forward motion and just pressuring the hell nonstop out of Justin Gaethje, not even attacking, just walking him down like Jason in yeah. Friday the 13th. And at some point, he he breaks Justin. Like, you see Justin actually start to be like, oh, like, this is what this feels like? For everybody yeah. else, when I do this, and then that the ending sequence, the ending sequence is so magnificent. I watched this maybe ten times. Eddie waves on the crowd, gets hit by an uppercut in the <laughs> cheek that is swollen as all hell. Keeps walking forward, smacks his own cheek in response to be like, "Yeah, do it again." <laughs> Hits Justin with a body shot, and then bang! Yeah, perfect knee on the button. It's gorgeous it, it was literally like turning pockets out and saying like look man i've got less fucks to give no 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 i do <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> it was kind of like that exactly it was a right. it was a thing of beauty when you lose all sense of self-preservation like these fights end up being like 
ridiculous. You know what I mean? I feel like he drags that out of the guy going against him. He somehow gets them momentarily to lose themselves and their sense of self-preservation and just stand in there with him and do that. And uh, Eddie Alvarez, to his credit, was the first guy who passed that test. You know what I mean? Who got through it. Right, but that's, would, that is Eddie Alvarez. It's like we already know that about Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, he's willing course, to go man. there. So one, yep. once it got there, he's like, oh, I'm comfortable in this play. I can do it. You know? 100%, man. I would like to ask Eddie next time I talk to him what fight he is most proud of in his career. And I would be surprised if it's not this one because there's something – you just see him like learn something about himself Yeah, while wow. you're doing this. That is very wild. I um, thought – just real quick, man. Uh, you know, I kind of picked this fight – and it was obviously not a victory for him. But I thought that that was important because what it really also said was somehow, just given who he was, I felt like him losing, he didn't lose anything. You know what I mean? Like, it was like Justin Gaethje losing. It wasn't like somebody else. It was almost like he was not really about the rankings, um, not really about the title, although you could say he was about those things too because he was a champion and all this stuff. It was almost like... He, the wins and losses didn't matter. It was the it was what you watched. It was in that moment. So I felt like we took him on those terms because he lost his next one too. And I don't think that that really did anything other than say like you said, where you're like maybe he's there's too many holes and he won't be able to go against some of these other guys, which he's now proven us wrong again. You know, but uh, the, the wins and losses don't matter to him as much as they would for somebody else in that position. Absolutely, Chuck. And and watching this back again yesterday, going back to sort of what we said at the beginning. This knockout almost felt like the culmination of all three fights that we had watched together. Um, just the, all of the damage that Justin takes beforehand in these fights almost feels like it leads to this moment. And you're right. He loses to Dustin afterwards. And he hasn't been the same since. He's obviously a very different fighter yeah. since these two losses. What do you feel like you learned watching sort of this progression of Justin Gaethje as he sort of reached this um, precipice of almost like all right, like here is the point where you can no longer do this. What do you feel like we learned over the course of this exercise? Because I feel it, like this was actually really yeah. interesting to sort of see in succession. It's hilarious, though, that we're, you know, we're like, well, you know, he's a changed fighter from these guys. And, and all three of his victories have been in the first round knockouts, right? <laughs> so it's like he's still going in there to finish the job. But uh, I, I agree. What I see is just slightly more control and poise. That's what I see. Like, I just feel like he's not going to go in there. And, uh, and get clipped to land as quickly as he would have. There's a little bit of a hesitation that way, and he picks his shots better. Um, the James Vick fight was, a, you know, like that was a great rebound. I think it gave him the confidence again, too, to to kind of do whatever, whatever they're doing. And if you talk to Trevor Whitman, um, I think that that's kind of what, what happened is he just, there's just, you know, it just it's like a half step. They just like, hey, man, dial it back just a little and yeah, pick your shots take, a little better. Take a half a second. Right? Yes. Right, yeah. it's it's but it but your abs it's you said slight it's a sl it's just a slight degree it is it, slight just a little bit because instead of like but it going makes all the difference in the world one hundred percent because instead of going through the sludge of throwing two hundred punches right. maybe he'll only throw one hundred and fifty punches and then it'll land <laughs> exactly. with more power you know what I mean it's like I think that's what he figured out but it's not like he's a the, the, it's not like he's changed dramatically. I mean, it's exactly the same guy going in there. It's just yeah. a little bit of a different There's mindset. a little more movement. You know, like yeah. a lot of times, especially on that Palomino fight, if you go back into those days, like his his defense was essentially just putting his hands up over his head for a minute and let the yeah. weather pass. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then and then he would just return fire. Like, I feel like he's not doing that anymore. So that's Exactly, good. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot more movement. It's yeah. a lot more, let's not take these punches. Let's right. see what happens if we don't take these punches. Well, right, because he does. He's, it's a very he good strategy. He doesn't need to land as many as he was landing. Again, he could just land one big power shot versus like fifteen, you know, jabs yeah. or whatever he's doing. You know. Now that you go through these fights, do you do you think like you know because you kind of lose sight of why we're going through these fights? Dude's about to fight Tony Ferguson. Dude, <laughs> How crazy that's is what that? I was about to say. I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> like this made me. Like, obviously, yeah. we all know where we all stand in terms of this fight is not the right fight, but god damn if I'm not excited. It's for not the it. wrong like, fight. Is, <laughs> I know. Well, that's what happens, man. If you go back and watch any Gaethje, or for that matter, Tony Ferguson, I think that you get to the same place, which is like, holy shit, these guys are going to cross each other. This should be fun. Yeah, I, that, that's exactly right. I had Tony Ferguson in mind as I'm watching these, and I just, my, like, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's like my brain cannot comprehend how that fight's gonna go yeah. it's going he's to the be, same oh type of hell spawn man why he's the same type of hell spawn yep. and i don't know what happens when two of those guys fight each other i guess maybe we saw it with alvarez but even i feel like he's even to a degree further than eddie 
when it comes to the, yeah oh yes yeah for sure well and it's interesting too because we've seen ferguson get caught the way that Justin Gaethje's gotten caught. They even, when they get hit, they do that kind of like roll away kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like they both even react the same way. It's going to be very, it, that's a special oh fight. God. Over under 1.5 rolling thunders thrown in this fight. <laughs> over. I'll over. say over too, man. Yeah, I, I like think I'm getting it some, over on that. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to see some kooky things in this one, man. Yeah, you I know th- we are. I actually think, to- in my mind, I think Tony is going to roll to try to take a leg at some point or something. Like, I think this oh, fight's yeah. going to go to yeah. the ground at some point. We'll see. I am so excited for this. I think this was a really fun exercise to do. Um, if you guys get a chance before next week, rewatch some old Justin Gaethje fights and rewatch them in order like this because you really do see an interesting progression. Um, and remembering it in the moment of what we were thinking in the moment and the narratives... It's all really fun. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. And then on the other side, we're going to talk about Tony Ferguson a little bit. All right, y'all, we are back. And so a few weeks ago, when all of this first happened, I remember us, us three wondering in the moment. Um, I don't remember who brought it up, but somebody brought it up in the moment. How would Tony's resume, Tony Ferguson's resume, compare with Habib Nurmagomedov's resume if he wins at UFC 249 now that we have this weird zombie Justin Gagey fight? Uh, Would Justin Gagey put him over? Khabib, just in terms of accomplishment, because I think at this point, if that happens, it's all a wash, right? Like champion, non-champion, two-time interim champion, like the never won a title card doesn't really apply in this situation because just the weird circumstances that has prevented us from really getting an actual Tony Ferguson legitimate title fight. And also just the fact that in the, in, even in the moment, but for years, it's been apparent that like these guys are the number one and the number two in some order. And so, like, I don't yeah. know that there's much either needs to prove at this point, even <laughs> despite the titles. Uh, so we, but we've been debating this amongst each other behind the scenes now for a while. And so let's actually play this out. Um, and I want to jump ahead of all of this and say, obviously, we're not counting out Justin Gaethje. We just spent 50 minutes talking about Justin Gaethje. <laughs> uh, I think all I of us no seriously, <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> all of us seriously believe Justin Gaethje has a 50-50 shot to win this fight or something around that. Yeah. But the reality is, ultimately. Justin Gaethje is still a side street. The main street is Habib Tony, fair or not. That's the situation. And until Gaethje is able to make himself a main street, he is a bridge to get us to where we're trying to go ultimately, which is Habib and Tony. So for now, the question is, whose resume is currently better between those two gentlemen, one and two mm-hmm. lightweights in the history of the world, Khabib and Tony. So to do this, before actually before we even do this, you got before we looked at the records and did this whole exercise. How did you guys view this topic? Did you come into this with some level of thinking one guy was better than the other before we looked at it? No, I mean it's an interesting thing to contemplate because obviously Habib has never lost, and Tony Ferguson it feels like has never lost because he hasn't lost in so long. And so it was really for me. I was like, you think of it almost in terms of like, okay, who are they beating when? You know what I mean? Like, if you're comparing their resumes, because a lot of times, even if guys don't hold up, like, we're, you know, we're not going to probably talk too much about Abel Trujillo or Gleason, you know, Tebow or somebody like that. But at the time, where were those guys? You know what I mean? Like, did they seem like threats? And were they on win streaks and all that type of thing? And it's it's tough. Like, I kind of went through and I looked at both guys and I'm like, what they both do is where momentum goes to die. You know, like, both guys, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, both guys were fighting. They both stopped uh people's runs where they've they had their best runs of their careers in some cases and they both did it you know obviously tony does it in a more violent like kind of uh maybe where there's exchanges and stuff like that where he he gets punished for doing it and uh and maybe you look at the distinguishing marker like maybe habib doesn't take that punishment against the same types of guys um but ultimately they're getting the job done this is it's a very very tough exercise to 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 determine something like that yeah, at, at first, like when when I asked the question, my mind goes, "I feel like Tony has the harder one." Just that was uh, how I came into it. Yeah, too. I'll, I'll go ahead and say right, like just off the top of my head. But then when you look at Khabib, maybe it's he's just suffering because he just dominates people in a way that you yes. know Tony makes it more of a fight because of his style versus the way True. Khabib fights. So I think that's probably a factor. But I mean, I gave it a slight edge to Tony Ferguson in my mind. Yeah, so that's going into it. So I agree with you. That was how I went into it. So it's been interesting to now examine this. So let's go ahead and dive into it. When we look at Khabib, let's look at him first. Where do you guys feel like his best five wins are? Let's sort of like try to parse this out. What do you think is his best five? For Khabib? Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, I mean, like, 
obviously, I think the Dustin Poirier one that he just had was pretty important because Dustin, I thought, was the best version we've ever seen of Dustin Poirier. So Poirier would be in that that group. Um, to me, Dustin is the best win of anybody yes. between these two. I think that's the number one on this pyramid right now. I'm with you on that because I think that just I think that Dustin is as good as he could possibly be going into this, and he'd proven that. I think that he was the toughest out of all of these guys. Yeah, right? I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah, you're hitting him at his prime prime yes. peak. Like Dustin was a murderer at this point. Yeah, and then I mean, honestly, man, like looking over his <laughs> fighting ally Quinton, like after everything that had happened. That that that's an underrated type of situation where he still was able to dominate the fight. And you remember in that second round where he's like, you know, I'll even stand with you. I'll even stand and bang with you. I thought like that was an impressive win in my mind. Um, being able to do that, um, you know, man, like <laughs> you go the, the Edson Barboza fight was a good one. Just the way he was able to dominate it. Uh, of course, Conor McGregor. That looked um, like a, that looked like he drowned Edson Barboza. That that yeah. wasn't even. Just, I mean, that was like it's uh, dominant was an understatement on that fight. The one that the the one that always sticks out to me was, and I maybe you guys won't agree with this one, but UFC 165, the one where Jones and Gustafson fought, he fought Pat Healy. Do you remember this fight? Oh and yes, yeah. Pat Healy. Pat Healy at the time, dude, was like he was. He, people weren't singing his praises, but the dude had what won like seven in a row, and he just uh, you know he'd beat Jim Miller. Like he was, he just looked like a different fighter. And I, it was kind of like okay, this will this will tell us if Nurmaga Madoff is, uh, you know. You know what he's got going on. If he's able to do this type of thing, what he just did to Abel Trujillo, where he took him down a record number of times, if he's able to kind of, you know, ragdoll Pat Healy in the same way, I'm going to be watching this cat. And he was, <laughs> he was able to do that. So to me, that one is in there only because I was sitting there, I watched it, it had special interest to me, and it, yeah, I thought he just passed with flying colors dominantly. You know what I mean? So I'd probably put that one in there too. Yeah. So for me. The f- best five for Habib, like I said, prime Dustin Poirier is number one, I think, upon, upon between both these guys. Then you have unma- unmotivated Conor McGregor, because there was a lot <laughs> yeah. of stuff behind the scenes yeah. that was going on with Conor at that time. He was not the Conor that fought Don- Donald Cerrone. I'm not taking anything away from it, but that's kind of the reality of the situation. Um, pre-prime RDA, because Habib really caught RDA right, right before he went on yeah. that title run. So, I, But I, th- I still definitely count that in there. The Barboza one that you noted, and then the one day notice Ally Aquinta that you noted. Yeah. Those are the five for me. Um, Chris, you, does your list look similar? You have yeah, no, different? I mean, I, I, I don't have anything to add there. I mean, I, I agree with you guys for sure. That's right. Those are the five. Okay. So knowing that now, let's do the flip side. What's the five for Tony? <laughs> what is the best win for Tony? Let's go start off with that. Because for me, so, it's the that first fight post-title RDA, because RDA loses the title and then immediately he fights Tony and Tony just rips yeah. him to shreds. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that that deserves to be in there. Um, I think, you know, because if, if I recall, and I just, I, I should have looked this up, but Kevin Lee, when he fought Kevin Lee, Kevin Lee was on a major he role. Red so this, hot. He was yeah, red he hot. was like, a, he was the best version of Kevin Lee, I think, that we'd had. So it's similar to the Poirier one, obviously, but like, I, it's not exact. But uh, him beating Kevin Lee, that was a big one. You know, submitting him in the third round, I thought that that was a big one for him. Um, man, you know what? Probably <laughs> beyond that, the Edson Barboza, both these guys faced Edson Barboza, but that fight, you were there too, right? Like Dude, that fight, that fight was, was just so bloody, good. man. It was like they were bringing hatchets in there at, at each other. It was crazy. Um, so I always remember that one. Yeah. Um you know, man, the Donald Cerrone one. Cerrone at the at that moment had was on a winning streak totally, again. Yeah. Totally agree. He was he was probably the hottest version of himself at that career. Maybe not hottest, but probably like the second hottest version of where he was in his career and in terms of his. Did momentum. you see the state that he left Donald Cerrone in? It was just like God, dude. He he got beat up in that fight. It was crazy. But uh, and then beyond that, man, it, that's it's it's tough for me. Like uh, the, the, a lot of these guys are pretty similar. I, I guess I would probably go with the Pettis fight. Um, but yeah. Pettis, I felt, had lost a step. It was just a good matchup um, in terms of willingness. You know, like Anthony Pettis was – I felt like he was kind of playing with house money on his career at that point. He was going to go out there and put on a good fight. So right. maybe that one is my fifth. I had the Josh Thompson win as my yeah. fifth, but I agree. Was I was kind of borderline between those two. It, that was a late-stage Josh Thompson, but I feel like Josh Thompson's historically underrated, and the way that Tony tore him apart yeah. was – like that's career changing. That's kind of like, oh, I guess maybe I'm like about to retire type of like moment yeah. for Josh Thompson. 
Um, Chris, where, where did your five follow along that? Right? Yeah, I agree with you guys. I mean, I, I was definitely between the Kevin Lee and the RDA fights as the as the toughest one. The the Kevin Lee one always has a little bit of an asterisk next to it because he came in with staff. He had been on medication, so true. Uh, not to take away from it, obviously, you know, it's a great performance and yeah. and it counts. I I I guess I would probably say the RDA one is the 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 most impressive one because he really did just run through RDA. I mean, that's a that's a a great great performance. But yeah, I have the same. Um, you know, the same ones. I mean, <laughs> although the Lando Venata one is interesting, that's in the same yeah. vein as the Ally Quinta one. Yes. In that Lando is making his UFC debut there on a couple of days. I mean, I think he took that on a few, like maybe a week. That was notice, like a week notice. Less. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Tony Florida, gets yeah. caught early in that fight yep. and almost gets stopped. And then he comes back and obviously. You know what uh, I loved about that one in a similar way of Gaethje? And that's why this matchup is so ridiculous. He had everything to lose, Ferguson did in that fight against Lando, but he not only does he take the fight and he keeps going, but he fights him in an incautious way anyway. Like he fights it right. like he doesn't have all of that to lose. You know what I mean? Cuz he'd won like 7 fights in a row going into that. His standing where, you know, in the title picture and all that stuff. But he still fought like a savage rather than playing it safe. I just thought that I, that one st- stands out for me for that reason alone. I was like, dude, he put on a show when he could have like taken it a little easier and maybe found a, a methodical way to go about it, but he didn't. 100%. He just went straight in. And that's also yeah. a fight that I think took place in like South Dakota or something, like it one did, of the Dakota. Yeah, yeah South Dakota. So like, no disrespect to South Dakota, but it's like, is that I feel the like biggest disrespect to South Dakota is coming? <laughs> oh, here it no, comes. but like, is that the biggest? <laughs> nope. uh, it's not like the biggest state. It's not like he had to do that. You know what I mean? It's like a, no, it's no not the biggest state. But that's Canada. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know the other the other thing though, like as we're getting into this, it's like you look, Tony Ferguson's style just puts him in more jeopardy than yeah. Habib's style. You know, not that Habib isn't the most. He's extremely dominant. He's he's a master of what he does. But Tony yeah. Ferguson's always in more danger just by the way he fights. Yeah, it's true. So here is the way that sort of my mind works, right? So we, we've come up with each of these top fives. In my head, I put together a top 10. So let me let me run you guys through my top 10, and you tell me if anything stands out as wrong or if anything's egregiously just ordered in terms of number one most impressive win between these guys down to 10 out of these five, okay? Okay. Yep. Prime Poirier Habib has to be number one. To me. I agree. Agreed. Uh, for me, number two was that first fight post-title RDA that Tony had. I think that's the second hardest opponent between all of these. That's that's probably true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel that's right. Okay. Um, then I have, for the round out, the rest of the top five, unmotivated Connor at <laughs> number three for Habib, pre-prime RDA for Habib at number four, and five and six are Red Hot Cerrone, Red Hot Lee for Tony, and then Barboza, whatever win you want to put those, they were basically yeah, the same yeah. for both guys. And then late stage Josh Thompson at number nine for Tony, and then one day notice for Habib. Uh, I, I'm sorry, one day notice Iaquinta for Habib at ten. Really, the last few like you could change the order however you want. It's more of that top five. And so this is kind of where I came from in terms of I was surprised at the way this played out because if you look at that top five, three of them, three of the top four really best wins are Habib's. Yeah, but I think uh, to me, I think unmotivated Connor is less of a threat to Habib than some of the guys. That, even though C- Connor's probably better skill wise than some of those other guys that that Tony fought, I think the unmotivated factor versus Habib's style yeah. is less impressive than the the RDA win or the the red hot cowboy or the red hot RDA for Tony. So it, it's a little bit jumbly, but. Yes, I think I think Habib actually has the the more of the top five. I yeah, that was kind of where I'm coming from. Where right now it feels like after doing this and playing this out, Habib has a slight edge when it comes to the resume because yeah. Poirier is Poirier is far and away the best win that either guy share. Habib has three of the top four or three of the top five, however you want to do it. And Tony may have a, like a deeper resume, the back end maybe a little bit more impressive, but I think Habib those the top end takes it for right now. That's kind of where yeah. I've landed. Where did you guys land? No, I'm I'm about there, man. And you didn't even mention Daryl Horcher. That beat down, <laughs> man. That was kind of like that was the weird one. Remember that whole thing? Um, but yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. And I think that the way that uh he's able to beat these guys, because obviously they've they've faced similar opponents, right? Like they face the same guy sometimes. And the way that, you know, um Habib beats Edson Barboza is a lot different than Tony Ferguson, you know what I mean? Like it's just I think that you look at that and you look at how they were able to how the, how they were able to accomplish what they did. 
Habib has just made it look more dominant, and it tends to make you want to say, like, oh, he's facing guys he's superior to, but these guys are superior to almost everybody else, you know what I mean? <laughs> and he's just superior to them. So I, I, I do give um, probably, like going through this exercise, I probably would give right now uh, the slight edge to Habib, but, you know, obviously if Ferguson beats Gaethje... <laughs> Well, that this, changes the whole. It changes thing. everything, right? So yeah, that that's exactly right. I mean, like I said before, before I actually really looked at it and examined it this way, I was giving the slight edge to Tony. After looking through it and kind of, you know, doing that type of comparison, I'm giving the very slight edge to Khabib. I was going to say, by the way, the Michael the Michael Johnson beating when he's going like, "You must give up." You know, I'm going to get a <laughs> yes. title shot. Like that's that's a different level of, yeah, of ass kicking at that crazy, point. Man. Yeah, uh, but but yes, I think. Go ahead, Sean, if you want to do it. But I, th- I do think the Gaethje win changes the equation. I think it does. I think because if to me, amongst all of this that we've laid out, if you give prime Gaethje in that, into that, if you put it into that recipe, into the, the ingredients, the story does change. I would put prime Gaethje number two on that whole entire list yeah. just behind prime Poirier. That to I me feels right. like the second most impressive win out of all of this. And I feel like that changes the chemistry of all of this. Yes. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I do think that's right. I and I, I it is. I, I it really does come down to where Dustin Poirier was, man. Like I, I think that he was that good when he faced Habib recently. He had just beaten Justin. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like you. I think I think that that's right. I think that Justin is is a credible opponent and all that stuff, and he's very very good, obviously. But like, I wouldn't say he's. I wouldn't say he's more threatening than Dustin was in that fight. No, Poirier, Poirier felt like an uncrowned champion at that point. You know, the way he was going through yeah. guys. He just looked great. He was showing the heart that we're, we're talking about with Justin Gage. I mean, everything was there. And going into that fight against Khabib, yeah, you think Khabib's going to win that fight, but it didn't feel like a foregone conclusion to me in any way. I, you know, I, I, I thought Poirier was an extremely uh, dangerous opponent at that point. So, yes, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's a really fun exercise. It's a really – like, I hadn't deeply thought about this until we had said we were going to do it. I think we all kind of landed in the same place, though, right? Like, Khabib is the guy right now with the resume that makes him the best easily. It's a close resume. It's a close comparison, but he is the guy ahead right now. If Tony wins this fight, I feel like all three of us switch to the other side. Is that To put a bow on this, would you all agree with that? Yeah, I think I would. I would for sure, man. Yeah, I agree. Oh, my God. It just has to happen. It really, and this is another reason why this this fight has to happen. This this Khabib Tony. Hopefully, we end up getting it. It will be the biggest shame in MMA history if we never get resolution to this. Because the only way we can actually decide this is if these two guys fight. True. All the rest of this True. is hypotheticals. I know. We oh and, and at some point we will run out of angles. We just won't have any more angles to to approach <laughs> these guys. It's like I think we've exhausted just about everything you can do uh, in matchmaking these guys and and predicting what's going to happen and all that stuff. They just have to fight at this point. Well, and it never, it never, it never gets. Not that it doesn't get you know old that we that we keep talking about, it, but it's like you you just get more excited the more that you you turn it. You just want it to happen eventually because they're just so close historically. There, I can't think of comparisons historically that are so close in every capacity, resume wise, as these two guys. It's, it's. It will be such a crime if we miss yeah. out on this. Well, and how their and how their styles clash. That's what it is. It's the oh, clash man. of styles. We'll see. Next week will be the decider. I can't wait for that. Um, it's been really fun looking at all angles of 249's main event today. We got more coming up on Wednesday, and then it's fight week. This is happening fast. It's sneaking up on us. I can't wait. In the meantime, that is it for us today. This has been another episode of the Man in the Mid podcast here on The Athletic. My name is Sean Shoddy. That man is Chuck Hall for producer Chris. We'll catch you guys on Wednesday.